Welcome to the Reframe. I continue to be Josiah Van Vliet. I recorded an episode in a car, and uh, it is this episode. Uh, I apologize for the sound quality. The point of the episode is, uh, as the title states, uh, Evidence, Journalism, and Action, and is a call to action. Uh, a call to action that I am not the right person to tell you what to do. Um, so I am as much asking for your input as I am encouraging you to do things. I have updated the show notes with a couple of new ways to interact with me. Um, and I would encourage you to follow those, uh, because I could use some help making sense out of what to do, uh, in light of Trump's acquittal in the Senate and his subsequent degradation of the rule of law. We can't just sit around and watch this happen. We can't just hope that the Democrats win the election. And even if they did, it, it won't fix the problems that we're facing. We need to do stuff. And I have, an, I have some ideas about which stuff to do. I just recorded a whole podcast about it. Again, check the show notes for ways to get back to me about the things I ask for. Um, your forbearance is appreciated in advance for the audio quality and your attention generally. Uh, there is no sign-off. Uh, it ends on a good note, I think. So uh, enjoy the show, and thank you. All right, so here's the deal. Um, we should be taking action. It is time. It may be past time for action, but it's time for action. I have been struggling with this for a while, and I have been unclear about my own reluctance, my own sit back and wait and see, and well, I don't know what to do, and blah, blah, blah. And I've just been like struggling with it a little bit um, since, since got, uh, Trump got acquitted in the Senate. And I, you know, I, this morning I, I listened to, you know, one of the pundits that I listened to and they were making what clearly felt to them like a semi outrageous point. Um, but really was at its core, it wasn't even advocacy. It was just pedantry, right? She was calling for people to stop talking about Trump as a you know, danger to the rule of law, but a, you know, an injury to the rule of law. His behavior is such that it's no longer talked, it's no longer appropriate to talk about warnings and directions, but, you know, the rule of law has been degraded by this. The next podcast of us two was a short little comedy podcast that uh, I feel is it really responsible for these things. And then the next is a, you know, another current events podcast, right? The transcript properly reflected the events on the ground. It got me to thinking about, you know, when are these people who I trust to tell me about the world going to start telling me what to do? And they aren't, they are not going to start telling me what to do. That's not their job. That is what their job seems like it would be. Right. Right. These are people who, who I, trust to explain to me about the world within certain bounds 
They are very good at that. Best of the best on all that. Their job is not to act as my judgment about the world, right? Like their, their job is to make money talking about what happened, right? They are a form of entertainment in a saner world, in the world we thought we lived in, in the world maybe we wish we lived in. There would be no difference between infotainment and journalism. There wouldn't be. It'd be fine because nothing matters. It's after history. In the 90s, when the Soviet Union was gone, terrorism had not yet been inflated out of all proportion into the threat that we now think that it is. We didn't have any global enemies of any serious repute. And, you know, you could just watch cable news and cable news could say pretty much anything it goddamn wanted. And it didn't really matter because everybody was getting a raise. Everybody had a job. Nobody was out getting, you know, blown up by kids who they were about to murder. Um, you know, it was fine out there. It really was. The 90s were a hell of a time internationally, like warm peace wise. That is not now is not then. This is not that. In order to make sense of the rest of the podcast, uh, I had to re-record this bit. And this bit is about evidence. Uh, I had a professor by the name of George E. Smith, who was one of the most important people to my intellectual development um, ever. He's a, uh, he is the uh, scholar of Isaac Newton and has very interesting ideas about the nature of evidence, which I'm going to largely oversimplify for, for our purposes here and change the language about. His idea of what evidence was, was evidence was an observation plus an argument linking it to a conclusion. Right. Observation, argument, evidence. I'll use a political example here. Um, so an observation is almost all people of color dislike Donald Trump. Now by itself, that's just a thing that's true. But what is it a claim about? And there are two very disparate claims that it can support, different conclusions you can draw from it, depending on which argument you use to, to attach it. And the argument that is true is that Donald Trump is an obvious bigot and bad for people of color, first and foremost, so they don't like him. The insane argument is that they are biased against him, and it's unfair that they don't like him, which is an argument and a claim, right? The conclusion that people of color are bigoted against Donald Trump is a conclusion, and a conclusion based on the observation. That's insane because the argument doesn't make any sense. But this is true for observations, argument, and conclusions generally. You can always make a claim a particular observation supports a particular conclusion. You just have to make an increasingly insane argument as your conclusion becomes incoherent. And so these three things are important to my argument later, um, that evidence is an observation plus an argument linking it to a conclusion. The reason I bring all this, this, this evidence, argument, observation shit up is because 
insofar in in my understanding how the world works, most journalists speak or believe they speak or tell you that they speak exclusively in observations, right? They're just telling you things that happened. We report, you decide. Um, which is like not really what they do. They have a lot more responsibility than that. They speak in observations and in, and in argument and in conclusion. Um, but they tell us and I think themselves that they speak in obser primarily in observation. And in a world in which a citizen need only vote, that might be enough. Right? If, if your civic duty Ex the full extent of your civic duty was obeying the law and voting. Being supplied nothing but observations might be enough. Now, the fact that it's not just that is a separate problem. And some of them are actually doing propaganda, which I don't, doesn't fit into my model well. Um, but, um, so if you, it, it, but times have changed. Like in the 90s, probably you could get away with just voting, right? It, it, it wasn't definitely a moral failing to, to just go to work and vote. I, I don't, I don't think the times called for much more than that. The times, however, have it changed. And the powers that be have corrupted themselves to such an extent that waiting to be led is being a good German. But there's literally nobody in the system paid to tell us what an actually good person would do in these times. Which is why I've been sitting around waiting to be told, now's the time. Now you can, now you have to go protest or whatever. And I realize no one's gonna tell, no one's gonna tell me that. Because the sources that I listen to will not overtly speak in conclusions. They cannot say, the system is broken. It is time for you to act. All they can say is things like, this is unprecedented. Do you know what unprecedented means, dummies? Because we report, you decide, it's unprecedented. And it's just cowardice on their part. And so it is time to start listening to other kinds of voices. Now, interestingly, that very same person who I started talking about who is Rachel Maddow. I don't know why I didn't want to say. In an interview, explained how activism works. Because she was, bless her heart, an activist for, like, AIDS treatment in prisons. 
like you want to talk about the least of us. <laughs> um, good Lord. That woman did the Lord's work. But she explained how you do activism. And activism is in the framework that she gave, and I'm sure there are other frameworks, but in the framework that she gave, the point is that there's something you care about that the person in charge doesn't care about or something you value that they don't value or whatever. And so what you need to do is you need to get that person to care about the thing that you care about, right? So in her case, trying to get AIDS treatment for prisoners, right? What she needs, she needs prison wardens to give a shit about AIDS and about their, about treating their prisoners for AIDS. And when she started, they didn't. And she had no access to them directly. And so what you do in this framework is you influence the influencers. You find out who those people listen to, you find out who those people care about, and you influence those people. And so what I'm telling you to do is to figure out who influences the influencers. There are two very important, there are several very important parts of our government who are being ter being terrorized by corruption and by the corrupt. And they are hearing from everybody the same thing I'm hearing, which is the same thing we heard in 2015 in 2016, which is he'll just lose and we won't have to worry about it, which is cowardice at, in SA4. We cannot wait. It is already too late. We already didn't fuck things up enough when he was running the first time. We didn't fuck things up enough his first year, his second year, his third year. It is his fourth year. It's time to start fucking things up. So influence the influencers. What we need, in my estimation, is the people who are in positions of authority and in positions of influence to take bold, self-endangering stands against this corruption. Because currently, all of their incentives are aligned with keeping their head down and waiting. Now, this podcast is in no way an act of bravery on my part. But for the people that I'm talking about, this is, they are going to lose their jobs. For sure. They're going to be made famous on Fox News. If they do what the, what's right. They're going to be hated by 40%, 30% of the country. As, uh, whatever. Disloyal, blah, blah. But if they keep their mouths shut, then they just do their jobs and they can't do their job as well as they used to be able to do it. And they're participating in the collapse of the rule of law in America. But, you know, what what are they? What else? What else are they? Else? What we need to do is we need to find those people who could be speaking out from a position of authority, who could be taking actions to make this president look worse to. Yep. And incentivize them, encourage them to take those risks. And we need to do it at scale. Now, 
Who are those people? Those are high-level military people, high-level intelligence people, high-level Department of Justice people, and interestingly, some of that in the States. If you know a person who knows a person who works at the state level who could subpoena the president, then you know who I'm talking about. And what we need to do is we need to work out who these people are and how to influence them to taking action. Now, is that sitting in a big pile in front of your local FBI division, begging them to do their jobs to defend the country? Maybe. Is that you talking at a cocktail party sternly to somebody? Possibly. Is that you unfriending people on Facebook? No, it's not. No. Stop that. That's over. Like that, that is over. Like we need to engage with people. If you fucking hate them, too fucking bad. They need to be convinced to be on our side. Now, if you're in a position where that work is too much work, then fine. It's too much work for you. But we cannot continue to pretend like isolating and cutting off communications is not what's going to get this done. Engagement, persuasion, and incentivizing is. We need to find the people who know things or who could do things, who are rightfully too afraid to do it, and supply them either with courage or with countervailing fear. And I'm not talking about physical threats. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about interruptions, inconvenience, insults, and guilt, right? If you are a state prosecutor who knows you could be investigating the Trump Hotel in Seattle for, like, whatever illegal horseshit the guy is definitely doing in every business he's ever done, if that person is not doing it because they're afraid of the ramifications, we need all that person's friends to pressure that person into doing it anyway. Why? Because we will, not because we will stop talking to you, but because we will ask you again and again and again and again and again why you're not. And we'll ask you to do it. Or maybe we'll just sit in a big pile in front of your office and you can't go to work until you prosecute the fucking guy. We'll let you do your job when you're doing the part of your job that we want you to do. Eventually that pressure builds. And that's the kind of shit we need to be doing. This is a conclusion. We have to do stuff. And the stuff that we can do, you know, all 70 people who listen to this, is figure out how to influence. Like, if we win the election, great. But I would really like this shit to start. Like, But, like, one of the ways we can help win the election is by having a cavalcade of subpoenas and reports and have these people come forward. Because there are hundreds, if not thousands of people in the federal government, all who know for a fact that their shit is all screwed up. Like the entire EPA is inside out. The CFPB is turned inside out. All those motherfuckers know what's going on. But they feel as powerless as you do. They feel as powerless as I did this morning. Because they feel like they're alone. And we are not alone. There are thousands of them. Right? There are millions of us. There's scores of people hearing me. We need to create a method of action, a method of activism by which we can take people who think that they're brave, who are not, who think they're great, 
when they're really just successful. And we need to create an environment in which them doing brave acts will turn them into heroes and not homeless, right? Because the situation as it stands is all of those people know and rightfully know that if they act alone and if they step forward, they will lose their jobs. We need to create an environment in which they are more focused on the positive feelings and the positive actions that the society as a whole will take to defend them. Will we actually? No, they'll still be fucked. We won't. It's not like we're going to have a GoFundMe for each of these motherfuckers. We won't. But at least they will have, they, you know, they can put it on their gravestone. They can tell their grandkids. And you know what? God damn it, that's worth something. I got to tell you. Part of why I'm doing this is shit my grandfather did that should be on his gravestone. I'm doing it because the people before me did it. And I wouldn't be here if they hadn't. And that is what we need to do. We need to be the people we thought we were going to be. We need to be the people we heard about. Enough of this talking shit. Do you have social connections that matter? How can you exploit them? If you do not have those kinds of social contacts where you can directly influence this process, we need to think about, and I will, and I, I will think about this, but I encourage you to do so also. Who can we put pressure on? Can we put pressure on the Massachusetts? Like, if, like I live in Mass. I live in Boston. Like, can we put pressure on Massachusetts prosecutors? Can we go to a local FBI office? Can we go to the, the, the state tax board and find somebody who, like, can you know, put in another subpoena for this motherfucker's taxes. Do you know a tax attorney who could leak something like this is the shit we need? Do you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy? We need to be doing things. And I'm telling you, nobody else is going to tell you that's not their fucking job. And the reason I can tell you is because I don't have this isn't my job. I don't need this to work at all. So if you've got plans, if you've got ideas, if you've got book recommendations, I don't actually know how to do this. Right. I don't actually have a real plan aside from like an idea of activism I heard in an interview three years ago. If you know how one fights against a budding autocracy and fights back against the rule of law dying around you, hit me up. Hit me up. Because our country's going to shit. Has been for a while and is going there quickly and suddenly and in the last month. Things have gotten worse and they are not going to get better unless we start doing stuff. Just going to work, not breaking any laws and voting ain't enough. We live in a kleptocracy and the thieves do not give a shit about the rules. Playing by the rules, if you're playing football and the other team pulls out knives, just because you're still in a football field does not mean you're not in a knife fight. And if you stand around talking about offsides, with a knife in your belly, you're going to die, and you're going to die a moron. It is time to stop playing by the rules. And I don't mean the laws. I mean the rules. They're breaking all the norms. You know what the norms are? The norms are you shut up and fucking don't do nothing. That's the norm. You go to work and feel oppressed and shut up. That's the norm. You going out and holding a sign humiliating the FBI agents in your neighborhood for sitting around defending the country from nothing, like a bunch of cowards, that's 
not normal, but it's also not illegal, right? Fuck normal. We need weird. Shit has gotten weird, man. And if you're weird, you need to go pro.